Hello, and welcome back to the Sticks Golf Roundtable. This week, we have a special guest, Pete Went. Now, Pete is the Director of Golf Courses and Grounds at Congressional Country Club. Now, what that means is he is in charge of every piece of grass on the property. Um, so this year and this coming week, the KPMG Women's PGA is being held at Congressional, the site of Rory's 2012 runaway victory of the U.S. Open. Now, since then, there has been a massive overhaul of the golf course, architecturally-wise, uh, some grass differences, some bunkers have been moved around. So lots to talk about with Pete. Uh, also going to hear a little bit about Pete's story and how he became uh, the director of golf courses and grounds at Congressional Country Club, including his time at Kinlock, which as a Virginia golfer, many of you should know if you guys are from Virginia. It's one of the best in the in the state. Um, so yeah, some really good stories. So I hope you guys enjoy. But before that, a brief ad read from our title sponsor, Swing You. Swing You Premium, the world's most comprehensive golf game improvement app with the industry's easiest to use on-course GPS, scorecard, strokes gained, and stat features. With the world's easiest to use strokes gained stat system, you'll receive a relative handicap for driving, approach shots, chipping, pitching, bunker play, and putting. Whether you're on the course or at home, Premium subscribers get anytime, anywhere access to Swing U's massive on-demand library of lessons and drills from world-class golf instructors. Join Swing U Premium today and start shooting lower scores. Now let's get to the pod. Well, Pete, thank you very much for coming. If uh, for people that don't know who you are, could you maybe give us a little bit of a background on exactly what you do and your connection to uh, Congressional Go- or Country Club? Absolutely. So my title is Director of Golf Courses and Grounds at Congressional Country Club. And uh, so I guess I'm in charge of everything that's growing from the front gates to the back door. <laughs> and I've got a great team, obviously, that I work with. And we're about two weeks away from hosting our first major championship on a completely transformed golf course. The, what we call the new blue. That's awesome. The new blue. I like that. Yeah, I did. I, like I did a lot. from all the pictures we're seeing that are flowing out of congressional. It looks absolutely incredible. The work that you and Andrew green did. Um, I don't even, it's not even fair to really call it a restoration. Is it? It seems like, uh, it's really a reimagination and, and, uh, almost a, a brand new golf course. Would you agree? I would agree. I mean, look, there are so many clubs out there and Andrew's working with a lot of them right now and all the great architects are that uh, may be restoring an old Donald Ross or an old Flynn or something else to that matter. And I think over time, our golf course had been touched, you know, originally Devereaux Emmett in the 1920s. uh, Donald Ross was in there doing work. Then, of course, Robert Trent Jones came in and built um, the really what we call the back nine of the blue now and then Reese back in the 80s so <laughs> it really wasn't something where you said okay we want to restore it to x era and really what we kind of asked Andrew to do was was build the membership a phenomenal 
1920s era golf course, you know, in today's standards. Yeah, I saw I saw the uh, the bunkering was was totally redone. You've added bunkers, you've added uh, square footage to the greens. I think the the acreage of fairways has has doubled. Tell us a little bit about that process and and what all the the big changes really are. Sure. So really, you know, what Andrew wanted to do was bring back a lot of the natural contours that have been taken out over the years. And when you think back to the Reese Jones era of of the renovation in the eighties. You know, sawgrass was really big and new, and and really there was this kind of, I guess, work toward um, what I would call stadium golf. And you saw a lot of mounding around the greens. You, you actually saw a lot of mounding around the fairways, and in turn, a lot of the fairways were flattened. A lot of that mounding was pushed to the sides. And Andrew really wanted to bring back a lot of the natural contours from the 20s and 30s. In turn. And I know we're going to get to this question. In turn, we had to take down a fair amount of trees to do that. Trees that have been planted in the 50s and 60s, a lot of spruce, a lot of pine, a lot of different trees. And to really get those natural grades back in the contours, um, that was part of the process. But yes, you're right. I mean, 50 acres of fairway now. There were 25, really 24 uh, for the last U.S. Open in 2011 that Rory won. Um, we've got an extra acre of green space now. We've we've got 35 acres of fine fescue that kind of frames the holes now, which is really cool. Watching that blow in the wind on a day like today. So it's it's a really different property. And you, the vistas are amazing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I, I was fortunate enough to play it uh, back in 2016 when the uh, they had the Mid- Mid-Atlantic Amateur there. Sure. And as, as beautiful as it was, uh, you know, that that heavy red clay, it was really soft the whole time. And I think, would you say removing all the trees, is that mainly to get more airflow to, to firm it up? Or maybe there's some okay. other purposes as well? Yeah, of course, a big part of that was agronomic. Um, but the other part was, yeah, just just kind of being able to get the contours back on the property itself. Like the, the front nine, for instance, if you remember too, the long par three. Um, that was always kind of the high point of the front and every, everything flowed from two down to six. And in turn, over the years, it was kind of broken up where, hey, the water got to the edge of two. Then you've got a, a new drainage area on three, four, et cetera. So you didn't have that natural drainage either. I mean, the course plays really nice and firm now. We added 37 miles of drainage through the construction process. And it's nice to see the balls bounding out there. So it's a lot of fun. And the greens are open in the front, too. As you know, Rosie, it was um, it was kind of an air assault golf course. It was hit it down the middle of the tight fairways. Uh, the approaches were tight, so you really had to hit it up in the air and you know hit the right spot on those greens. And now the greens are opened up in the front, you know, so the ground game is back in. And the other thing is, is it's the angles. I mean, now with the width of the fairways, it's all about okay placement of what part of the fairway you need to be in to really attack that whole location. What's been the, um, I got a question real quick. What's been the sort of response from the members? Cause I, I think something that's overlooked as as us as good players is all the different types of ball flights that are actually coming into a green. You know, you just said it used to be an air attack. Is the membership enjoying being able to, to hit it on more greens probably now you can run, you know, run the golf ball up. I think they really are. I think they're excited about that. I think, look, it's, it's a brand new experience. We opened the golf course almost a year ago to the day I think it was June 12th we opened the golf course last year. And 
look, it's visually intimidating. It really is. And you've seen the pictures. Um, it really is visually intimidating. But once you play it a few times, I think you really get an understanding of, hey, I can I can really hit the ball where I want to hit the ball and have some fun with it. And the whole goal was, look, um, we need to build a great golf course for our membership. I mean, our membership plays this golf course all year long, every day. And look, we're hosting major championships, but those happen once every couple of years. We had to make sure that we were building a balance between a great golf course for our membership and a, a golf course that can host major championships. So speaking of uh, major championships, what is your kind of role in kind of preparing the golf tournament for that major? And, you know, who are you kind of talking back to, like with the LPGA tour and like, wh where's like the communication? Like, when do you guys have to like come together and like, and kind of meet? Sure. Sure. So I am uh, very lucky. I had a visit from the LPGA tour agronomist a couple weeks ago, but he, um, he's so busy with the tour itself that he won't be out for the championship, but, we work with Kerry Haig, who is the chief championships officer for the PGA of America. Kerry is, you know, the most world-renowned setup guy there is. I mean, he sets up um, the PGA championship, every PGA of America championship. Uh, Kerry was asked to come out and, and set up the Olympics. So he was overseas working on that assignment as well. And, you know, I think he is, he's the best in the business by far. So are you more just kind of being like a secondary role to him as like, is he kind of comes through and does his thing and like kind of you guys check some boxes of what you need to do agronomy wise, like with the golf course before the event is happening? Sure. So Kerry's going to, you know, we've talked for months and even a year on heights of cut, where we want the heights of cut for greens, tees, fairways, rough, et cetera. And then, you know, as we get closer to the championship, we get into advance week and then we get into early in the week of the championship itself. And really, Kerry's going to tell us how he would like to set the golf course up. Gotcha. You know, he, he'll tell us, you know, the speeds he thinks he'd like the greens at. He'll tell us, you know, how he'd like the golf course to play. Gotcha. How is it going to play? <laughs> uh, I hope it plays really firm and fun. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to get crazy with trying to get green speeds out of control. I think he's going to set up a very fair championship. I think the one thing, and look, um, I don't have a ton of experience with Kerry other than as a spectator more than anything. But the one thing that I really respect with Kerry is he sets up a fair championship for the best player to win. Fair enough. Tell, tell us about, let's talk uh, briefly about number 10. I'm really yes, curious about yes, yes. the complete redo of number 10. It sounds like Andrew Green and you really solved an age-old question at Congressional. What do we do with number 10? I mean, that hole has been flipped and changed directions and all sorts of things. So maybe you could give us a little backstory on hole 10 and, and what was done to get it to its current state. Sure. As you know, Rosie, I mean, probably the last time you played it, it was... 180 or 200 yards over the water. Yeah. Scary. Oh, oh by the way, by the way, so hard playing in the mid Atlantic am first two days, you know, for one day you tee off number one, one day you tee off number 10, right? Split T. So yeah. I was on the range. I, I, I've never been so nervous 10 minutes from my tee time because I'm trying, I'm trying to hit a solid four iron or five iron or two to then go to number 10 and hit one of the scariest shots ever to start my round. Pretty much. I, think totally I, I, think, 
I think I blasted it into the back bunker just to be safe. No doubt. <laughs> as you should. It. As you should. We'll have to throw oh, some photos on the on the video pod of uh, the old yeah. one and the new one. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Yeah. So make sure you do that. And I'll tell you, I think Andrew was the only architect that we talked to and interviewed that came up with that amazing idea of, hey, guys, I'm going to solve a couple problems here. I'm going to build an amazing drop shot short. Um, I'm going to solve the problem of walking 900 yards from from nine green all the way across the water to 10 and then all the way back to 11 tees. So the flow of the golf hole is so much better. And I really feel like it, it really fits into the environment there. You've got water behind it now, water the side of it. I mean, if, if we had an ocean behind us, it'd be seven at Pebble. Yeah. That's, that's actually, fantastic. Wow, I, I hadn't was, thought about it that way, but that's, that's a great comparison. Cool. Yeah. Was any, was any, did any dirt have to be moved? Like, I guess when you think it, when you say it that way, it's kind of like, how, why was he the only one you think that came up with that? Was it, was it more complicated maybe than it, than it sounds to actually execute that plan? I think it was complicated and I think it just showed his artistic ability and his thought process. Right. I mean, a, a lot of other architects said, oh yeah, we can shift the green, change the angle a little bit, you know, put a bunker here, put a bunker there. But when he came up with the, uh, my dog's choking in the background, if you can hear that, but uh, oh, please, please sorry, save your dog. We'll, we'll pause <laughs> anytime. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. But uh <laughs> He, when he came up with the the idea, I think we were all just dumbfounded. Like, wow, that is amazing. And it, it's just a really cool hole because, look, to be a great test of golf, it, it doesn't have to be a full shot, right? It doesn't have to be a long buster of a shot. It's it's, it's thoughtful. Oh, and and many, many great courses have a, a short template, a, a, you know, 110 to 150 yard par three. I mean, that's very common on, on some of the best courses in the world. I mean, you, you mentioned Pebble, you talk about number 12 at Augusta, you know, so uh, now congressional has got their, their short hole. And I think what makes a, a great golf hole and, and makes a hole that sticks out is just having it be different and having a different challenge or having just something that isn't the same as all the other par threes on a golf course. And that's, that seems like what you have. How, how long is this hole now? I've never played there, but it's, it's 160 yards from the ultimate tips, but really it's, it's going to play about 135 for for the KPMG, which is nice. is a, a really cool yardage. And one thing Andrew did too, he was very methodical about having a short, having a long, and kind of having a um, uh, a short long and a uh, a medium long. So so that's that great. You're not, you're not pulling the same club out on every par three. Yeah. We're so, ta- we're talking a lot about the design changes, which I know you were very involved in. But let's talk briefly about your main focus which was obviously the turf and and i guess the the bunkers and um tell us what changes were made in that regard sure so obviously everything the entire property was touched so uh tons of new drainage a great incredible new irrigation system we put sub air back in the greens we did not put heating and cooling back in the greens but we did put the sub air back in the greens to help us remove water if we had to um you know we went with um, three great new grasses on grains. We went with 007, which is kind of tried and true, which and they got the, the number 007. It actually came out in 2007. So it's becoming an older grass. It's 15 years old now. And we went with piranha and coho as our two other grasses on greens. 
I didn't want to have a mono stand, number one. I felt like, hey, survival of the fittest is best. If one of them does great on a high knob, the other one does great in a low area or in the shade. Uh, that's what you want. These new grasses are very heat tolerant. They're very fine textured. Prana and coho are super fine textured. They're beautiful grasses. They play great. Um, we went with 007 and match play, another new fairway grass on fairways. Again, heat tolerant, disease tolerant. Hopefully we can push the limits on these grasses a little more. Uh, not to bore you with agronomy, but one thing we really concentrated on too was when we built our greens mix, we wanted to have what we call a high CU. And a CU is a uniformity coefficient. So think about this. If, if we fill a room up with basketballs, um, you know, there's going to be a lot of shiftiness. They're all the same size. They're all the same depth. So there's a lot of shiftiness in that, okay? If we fill it up with basketballs, golf balls, gravel, small stones, all of a sudden it starts to pack together better. So the higher the uniformity coefficient, the tighter the greens mix, the firmer the greens will be. So gotcha. we really targeted we really targeted kind of above 3.0 in that 3.0 to 3.1 range in uniformity coefficient. So the greens are really nice and firm too. That's fantastic. And you're not boring us. That's that's awesome stuff. We love to no, learn. Definitely we not. love to learn a little bit. And then with with new greens kind of coming in, I, I know there's kind of like whenever I see a new green or a course puts in new greens, they're always super, super firm in the beginning and they sure. soften over time. Um, with you guys just reopening a year ago, has that sort of time kind of passed where it's been very, very firm and now you can kind of play with how firm and how soft you now do want the greens? I think we can play with it a little more. Obviously, they're always gonna that mix is always gonna be a little more on the firm side itself, yeah. and it all depends on moisture. But you find that more with a Bermuda grass green than a bent grass green. Bent grass greens are are firm in the early days, but not as much as those new Bermuda greens that are like as hard as concrete. Yeah, here I'm well versed in those. Yeah, we've seen well, a few well of those versed. down in Florida. That's crazy how firm they get. That's it. Well, we're, um, we're super excited to see uh, the KPMG uh, women's PGA here at the end of the month. But you've also got uh, two PGA championships in, the, in on the schedule and a distant Ryder Cup. What is it? Twenty thirty seven. Uh, the Ryder Cup will be at Congressional. You gonna uh, you gonna stick around for that one, Pete? I really want to. I hope <laughs> I can. You know, it's funny. Um, it was supposed to be thirty six, as you know, and COVID yeah. pushed it back a year. Um. I'll be 67 that year. I'm All right, be a good man. But you know what? I mean, who wouldn't want to host the Ryder Cup at the end of their career? So I, I really hope that I can do that. I, I hope that I, that all the stars align and I'm doing that. But you're right. We have, uh, we have two women's PGAs, two senior PGAs. We have the club professionals. We have the junior PGA. Uh, we have one PGA championship right now, and then the Ryder Cup. So it's uh, oh, okay. I thought you had two every two, two years. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, there's two PJs. Yeah, it's cool how it seems the USGA and the PGA of America have sort of planted a flag at certain properties. And you guys are uh, fortunate to have the PGA of America and, and all the great championships that come with that. Uh, it's really neat to see congressional, especially being, you know, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, but, you know, we don't have any majors in, in Virginia. And um, um, of course, there is, a, a, I guess, a, your old stomping grounds, uh, RTJ is getting a Solheim Cup here in a couple of years. But it's That's neat right. to have at least uh, within driving distance, uh, um, you know, um, Ryder Cup, PGA, Women's PGA. That's that's really cool to have in the Virginia, the DMV, we'll call it the, the Maryland, Virginia yeah. area. So yeah. 
speaking of RTJ, uh, you know, we obviously it's been great to learn a lot about what's going on at Congressional, but I'd love to take a step back and you can kind of share share with folks uh, how you got started into the business. Uh, I know you went from RTJ to Kinlock, where we met and and worked at the same time over at Kinlock. Um, so tell tell us a little bit about how how you got into the business and how you elevated yourself to the level that you're at today. Sure. Um, so I'll say, how did I get into the business? I mean, uh, most of us fall into the business on our end of it. And I, I went to school for business in Canada. I'm originally from Toronto, the Toronto suburbs, um, went to school for business and all through high school and college, I worked at a club and just worked on the grounds crew, never really thought twice about it. And then after college, I, I went out West to be a ski bum for a couple of years in Whistler, British Columbia, and they were really in a golf boom. So I was lucky to, you know, get jobs on not only a golf course that was already built, but they were building another course called Nicholas North out there. So I was working construction on that golf course. And I had a great general manager who said to me, look, why don't you think about getting into the golf business? You really should think about this as a career. And, and if you do, I would suggest going to Penn State or Michigan State. So I made the right choice and I went to Penn State. I'm a Temple alum. We're, we're, we're taught to, <laughs> Love to hate it. the Penn Staters, but they're, y'all are far Love superior it. in about every, every sport. So, so <laughs> it's, it's not, even, not even a concept. That's, that's, that's a one-way rivalry. <laughs> yeah, very one-way rivalry. <laughs> I don't know. Temple has great basketball. Yeah, very, very fair. But um, so what happened was I was lucky enough to go to Penn State. And interestingly enough, uh, I decided to intern at a place called Congressional Country Club back in 1995 for the U.S. Senior Open. So I worked for a guy named Paul Latshaw, who was kind of the most famous superintendent in the world, really. Paul was the superintendent Mm. at Oakmont. He was the superintendent at Augusta in 86 when Nicholas won. Wow. Um, you know, Wingfoot, Congressional, Riviera. So, and his son is the <laughs> superintendent at Marion, who that is hosting the wow. Curtis Cup right now. So, I was lucky to work with a lot of really smart guys there. And a buddy of mine from Penn State said, Hey, look, you should call my friend Cindy. You know, we grew up together in the DC area. We went to Elon College together, and maybe she'll show you around the city. And here we are back at the place it all started with uh, two kids that are one's one just graduated from college and one's a a junior at Tennessee. And uh, it's kind of a crazy story. I mean, I'll tell you this. I think when it when it comes to your career, it's, it's like everyone on this podcast right now. It's um, it's blood, blood, sweat, tears, hard work and, and luck. And I've been very lucky in my career. So I think that's uh, that's kind of how it all happened. I, I went from congressional to RTJ as an assistant, worked for Glenn Smickley, who's now the general manager at Cal Club. He's uh, one of my best friends in the world. And it's always fun to go out and see him at a cow club because that's one of my favorite golf courses in the world. And uh, and then I, I got the opportunity to go down and build Kinlock. And at the time, look, it's a hope and a prayer, right? People tell you, hey, we're going to build this incredible high-end golf club, men's club. Not a true men's club, but really it was mostly men at the time. And um, I, I had the opportunity to go down there at 29 years of age and, and project manage the construction. And then I was the superintendent there for... 15 years. And, you know, it was, it was a real blessing to be able to work with Vinny Giles, Lester George. And, you know, to this day, Vinny's a really good friend of mine and I I really respect the heck out of him. I mean, probably the best living amateur to play the game right now. He is the best living amateur. I I, I, I can, I can say with, I can concur. That's a fact. Yeah. 
I love Vinny. I love his game. I used to, it's funny, his, his ball flight has straightened out over the years because in the early years, I'd, I'd go to the back of the range and sit in my cart and watch Vinny hit balls. And it was like watching those professional bowlers. You'd see his ball go way out to the right and then just sneak back in and bounce right next to the pin. And I think with new technology over time, over time, his ball flight got a little, <laughs> a little bit straighter. I don't know. He still hits a pretty hard hook. I mean, yeah, he does. I, played, uh, I played golf with him a couple months ago and he's hits a pretty hard hook. Yeah. But, um, you know what, that's where I got to meet Rosie and a bunch of other great guys. And, you know, I, I cherish my time down in Richmond. It's a great town. And, and again, I got really lucky to be involved in a project like that. A lot of superintendents in the area came down there. Here I was, 29 years old, full of piss and vinegar. And they're like, hey, you give us a call when those bent grass fairways die, you know, come <laughs> over and spray Bermuda grass. And so I had to prove them wrong. So, uh, and I, I, I can say comfortably that Kinlock is, is, the best conditioned golf course that I've ever played. Oh. And I played some good ones. It's it, it it's up is, there for sure. I actually yep. remember I'll never uh, tied for first. I'll never forget the day it came out because I was on staff there and this is all credit to you, Pete and your staff, but 2009, I think it was golf world came out with these really like specific rankings of, you know, best clubhouse, best practice, blah, blah, blah. You, you guys want to know what one, two was on that list in America for condition. Kenlock one, Augusta two. I'll never forget it. I'll never forget <laughs> really? it. That, that was, was awesome. Highlight. That was a highlight of my life. That's for sure. That's what such, was it? That's uh, so cool. What was that's it like? Oh, what was Sorry, it like? Just real quick, I wanted to say one thing to Pete real quick. Uh, I just happened to be two days ago uh, with a bunch of our our old cohorts. Uh, Brian Holstein got married on Saturday oh, here wow. in Richmond. So I was That's with great. I was with Mike Gebhardt, who was the head pro at the time that we were there. Uh, yeah. Steve Slaughterback, who's still there. Um, and uh, and Matt Taschenberg, who, who was an assistant there for years. So they all uh, I, I was excited to tell them we were going to be speaking and they all wanted me to pass along a hello. Oh, that's so great. And, and where's Tash? Uh, he is a free agent. Quote. He's, that is, he, those he's, are his words. He's <laughs> okay. throwing clubs somewhere. I got you. <laughs> I got paired with him in the state open. I, I'll never forget it. Yep. It was he was he was having a bad day. Let's just that's all I'll say. There you go. <laughs> I said, I nice said, guy, but I said, "Where are you at, buddy?" He said, "I'm I'm a free agent." Um, I have to ask you one one more thing re regarding that. Uh, there's a rumor that you got the interview. Maybe not got the job, but got the interview for Kenlock due to a chance meeting in the airport. Is that true? <laughs> no. Um. You know what happened was Charlie Staples, who was one of our founders, um, he was a member at RTJ and, you know, we had been in touch a little bit and then they had a headhunter on the job, an agronomist named Terry Buchan, who was kind of helping them walk through ideas on, hey, what they should grass it with, et cetera. And those two reached out to me and said, hey, would you like to come down and interview? And I got lucky. Gotcha. But I like that story. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to talk about it a little bit like sort of as a superintendent when you're starting from scratch as, as we said right before we started this we we've kind of seen that in action in the last couple of months like when you have a complete blank slate what is what's the process like and what what do you have to go through like planting wise growing grass and because it's, it's if you started at a place where there's already a golf course it's obviously a lot less of an undertaking than just a sure. pile of dirt and a bunch of trees sure well i think number one you have to have an incredible architect you have to have a great project manager and a great construction company. That's number one. And if you don't have that, I mean, you're, you're already behind the eight ball. So at Kinlock for, 
for example, we had a gentleman named John Klinkerman from Landscapes Unlimited who was just dedicated to the project, was there daylight till dark every day, had a great eye for shaping. We had some really good shapers. If you've been working on these projects with Doak and Gill, you know uh, you're only as good as your shapers, right? So the shapers need to be able to finish the architect's sentences. And and when I talk about congressional, I'll tell you the shapers that we had on our project had worked with Andrew Green on so many projects that they were like an extension of his arms. So that's so important. The other thing is doing your research, doing your research on bunker sands, doing your research on greens mix, um, making sure you have the right irrigation consultants so that you plan out, number one, the best um, irrigation system you can to be able to give them firm and fast conditions. But the second part of that is is once you get into the field, making sure you're flagging that irrigation to the point where you have perfect coverage. It's funny, people say there was an article in Golf Digest that was talking about Kinlock and one person wrote, well, with 2,900 heads, you know, that seems like it must play wet. And the truth is the more heads you have, um, the more accurate you can get and the more honed in you can get with your irrigation. So not only that, you can produce a drier product. So that to me is, is one of the most important things. And then of course it's, it's all about the hand watering too and having the right mm. team in place. I have, sure. I have visual in my head of the, the, an incredible amount of hand watering that, that went on. You know, I was out there caddying and um, you know, there, you always had guys out there taking care of certain spots. And um, it's just amazing that you all were able to create that firm lush, uh, bent grass in the middle of a August summer in, True. in Richmond, Virginia. And, and you still probably have the, some of those same challenges. I mean, certainly in Maryland, it, it gets hot and humid as well. Uh, um, so I'm sure you're still, that's still uh, sort of where you uh, prove your worth, right? To create those, those lush playing conditions in, in the summer heat. That's a hundred percent of it. And you know what the truth is like, the, the best way to put it is, you know, you talk about a guy like Coach K and look, he can annoy the refs all day long and, and, you know, stick his finger in their chest, but he's a great X's and O's guys. But if he doesn't have the best players in the world, uh, which he always had, I mean, who doesn't want to go to Duke and play for Coach K? Um, you know, he's not producing that product every day. And I'm really lucky. I've got a lot of really great young guys working with me. So listen, I've got the X's and O's, but those are the guys who are out there executing every day. And they're, they're amazing people and they work their ass off. So I actually just got to play Kenlock for the first time about a week ago, yep. which was amazing. And I, I heard a story um, about a tree and some bunkers <laughs> that may have been moved on oh, 14th or 15th hole. 15th uh, hole. It was the 15th. Um, and I'd just love it if you could shine some light on on that story. Okay, so um, <laughs> he's probably going to yeah. have to be careful here. Yeah, you yeah. Mean, be as careful as you need to be. I just, it's, I understand. I'll preface it with this: I I had moved on when when that okay. happened. Okay, okay. And go. so what happened was fifteen being a, a short par, par four with a massive oak tree in the middle of it. I think they decided when that tree died hey, let's try and move another tree there. And it was a great idea. And if you could have seen the amount of equipment, time, energy, and money that went into moving a huge tree that was just off the golf hole in the woods over to that area. And then a year from then it died. So that was very unfortunate for the club. So in turn, I think they went to plan B, which was, hey, 
let's bunker it up a little more in place of that tree. And uh, the Who's bunker, playing? the bunker left a little to be desired. Let's put it that <laughs> way. Um, and uh, that bunker was changed pretty quickly as yeah. well. So there's been a little bit of doctoring on that hole since that that big tree came down over time. Yeah, it, I can say this, and listen, I tell Lester the same thing, but it's not the bunker I would have built out there. <laughs> and I'm not a golf course yes. architect. Yes, yes. Uh, that's that's all. That's exactly what I wanted from that story. That's ex- that's just exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Thank you so much. You uh, bet. And, and it's really funny because I was told that story from Vinny before I had played the hole. So when I got there, I was like expecting this, you know, ridiculous thing just to look at. But it actually really like I don't know what they've done to change it. I would love to see what it was right when they did it. But it really does fit the hole very well. I mean, it looks no, it does. Now. I think uh, you know, second team All American. Yeah, correct. <laughs> the second, the se- second ball is pretty good. Yeah. That's right. That guy behind you is really, really good. That's no great. doubt. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, what was it really like working with Lester? Because I he actually built my home golf course, the Cavalier, and I've actually met him a couple times, and he's a he's an eclectic character. So I just love to know what it's like, kind of being day to day with that guy. Sure. Um, and I'm curious. I'm curious how. Tom's question. Yeah. But I'm curious how long you were working day to day with him True. to build. Yeah, him that as well. what, what sort that of, as well. how long was that project? Sure. sure. So we started in September of 99 and we opened the golf course in uh, April of 2001. So, you know, what was it? It was an 18 month project. Um, worked with Lester on that project hand in hand. Of course, him being a local Richmond, Virginia architect. He was on property a lot. Um, different from an Andrew Green or a Gill, Lester's not an equipment guy. So he wasn't out shaping or being a part of any of the shaping that went on. So he really relied on the shapers from Landscapes Unlimited. Um, and as do all of the architects, but there are architects who like to get in there and shape as well. Um, you know what? I think having the marriage of Lester and Vinny, I thought was really great. Vinny bringing a player's perspective to it. Um, I think the golf course turned out phenomenally well with that marriage. Agreed. I, I would it's, agree wholeheartedly. It was one of my, one of my favorites. And it always, always will be so much strategy off the tee. I mean, so many holes yeah. you can, you can pick option a or option B. Um, and that goes for the hot, you know, mid to high handicapper and, and the scratch golfer. I feel bad for know, the caddies out there. Cause like, where do you tell people to hit it? <laughs> it was <laughs> like, like what, you got right. You got left. If the pins over here, pins over there, like where, where do you go? I That's had, right. I had, some, I did have some long days out there. I was just yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> and, and especially if you got two bags and then one guy goes yeah, right fairway, the other guy goes left fairway. What do you oh, mm-hmm. yeah. well, a lot of times Massive. the caddies Pete saw this a million times. We would, we would swap bags wow. for, yeah. for, yeah. for a whole, uh, if you know, two guys went one way and two guys went the other way. So, um, yeah, number nine created all kinds of, all kinds of chaos. For a and and can let's be honest imagine. here too. Rosie and the rest of the guys would lie too. They'd hand the guy on the right fairway two clubs and say, you're going to be exactly 197. They had no clue how far, it was, <laughs> but they just didn't want to walk that far. Oh, I've done that. <laughs> oh, I've done that a thousand times. That's oh right. my God. It's, it's a perfect nine iron. That's perfect. <laughs> nine iron. Yeah. Take this and go. That's yeah, right. Exactly. 
just got to get through the day. What would you do if I wasn't here? <laughs> but, but to, that's right. But to tell you more, um, so Lester's background in the military um, was also some land planning work. So I think Lester had a really good eye for topography as well. And and look, for him to route that golf course through a very thick, dense, wooded property in the far west end of Richmond, I'm, I thought it was pretty brilliant. I I would agree. Completely yeah. agree. There was a, awesome. I'll, I'll tell you a very funny Lester anecdote. Um, he, there's a bunker on So I live at the, at the Cavalier Golf and Yacht Club in Virginia Beach. And number 17 was, is one of the greatest, I thought was one of the best holes that I, it used to be. Uh, and unfortunately a tree got struck by lightning kind of fell down. So they kind of opens up a lot of the room on the left side, but there was this absolute death bunker that like, if you hit it in, you could not get it out. And you, and you had to go backwards or sideways. There was no way to get out. And the membership voted to take it out. And so they did. And Lester got there and he absolutely lost his mind that his bunker <laughs> had been, has been taken down. Oh, he dear. lost his mind. And it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. Love it. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Well, Pete, wow. I appreciate you coming on. This was really, really awesome. And uh, and I'm really looking forward to the Women's PGA at the Congressional. And I can't wait to see how people play 10. I'm really excited for that. Yeah, guys, come up and see me, please. I'd, I'd love to have you. And uh, I hope you guys can get up and see the golf course, play the golf course. And, uh, hey, thanks for having me on. This is yeah, fun. Of course. It's an absolute pleasure. Excited to share this side of the game with uh, so many of us. So I feel like most of our most of our listeners are are good players, and and a lot of us just don't know this kind of stuff until you until you hear about it. So this is this is gonna be great for for our, our audience for sure. Awesome guys, have a great evening. And Rosie, hope to see you soon, my friend. And hey, did you get married, by the way? He did. Oh, Rosie's. Yeah, he oh, did. Ro- he, Rosie, he's stuck Rosie's again. Rosie's he's gone. Gone. <laughs> yes, he did get married. He did awesome. get married. He had a little mini honeymoon and he's going on his big honeymoon in a, in a couple months. That's yeah. great. Well, tell, awesome. tell him congrats and guys, nice meeting you both. Absolutely. It was great Pete. meeting you, Pete. Appreciate it so Thanks much. Thanks for the time. Take care, boys. See, See ya. ya. Bye. Bye. Uh-huh.